alien spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. This is not a test. This is your emergency broadcast system. Hello and welcome to the 88th annual Subliminal Deception Podcast, your weekly dose of conspiracy theory bullshit. My name is Cody. I'm joined by my pal Phil. How are you? Doing good, buddy. How about yourself? Not doing too bad. As you probably know now, I've returned to the workforce and I just so happened to go back to work on apparently the coldest day of the year. So that was fun (laughs) in the morning. It was like, uh, it felt like nine degrees, I think. It was a little chilly. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah, just as your shackle burns have started to heal, it's time time to go back to work. At least in this new job, I will be inside all winter, so that's a plus. That is, yeah, that's definitely a benefit. <laughs> but uh, you, wanted to, you wanted to talk about the old Swedish furniture store here, Phil. Oh, yeah. So uh, basically, Thanksgiving Day, went, hung out with my family down in uh, Queen Creek, where my mom lives, and... Stayed over that night and went with my mom and my sister the next day to a little place called Ikea, which is possibly the weirdest place that I've ever been to in my entire life. It is. It reminded me of the Costco in the movie Idiocracy. It is fucking massive. Like I had never been to one before and it was just a weird place full of all of these. It was like a fucking maze. I think we might have walked three miles yeah walking around this fucking place yeah it was crazy that's what i know that like yeah i know exactly they want you to get lost in there and end up finding something i mean i ended up the all of the furniture that i wanted to buy wasn't actually in stock so i'm actually gonna probably go on the internet and just buy it from there but i ended up buying like two spatulas and a set of those little chopsticks for sushi ended up buying a nice set of those and that was it spent like 12 bucks in there so it wasn't too bad (laughs) I know you're looking to remodel and, you know, add some flair to your house or whatever. Uh, that's a great place for that stuff. Yeah, I'm looking right now for a dresser uh, for some ones that look decent and are cheap. And I found some in there, but they were all they were all gone. It was Black Friday, though. So I guess a lot of the Internet, uh, <laughs> a lot of the Internet deals have been going on for a couple of weeks. So nothing really in there at the time. I know. I know. I'm like, I really wanted, I really want to get a new monitor, right? For my, my computer. And I was looking through Black Friday and everything. And it's just like, fucking you buy some online. You'd be waiting like three weeks to get it. Luckily, there's a computer store kind of close here that has some pretty good deals. So I think I'm going to go up there in a few days here. Yeah, most of my, well, I mean, I still want a vertical monitor, but my old TV seems to be doing me just fine right now for putting the text up really big. It's not quite like it used to be Black Friday shopping, but hopefully Black Friday is pretty much dead and gone because that evil doesn't need to be around anymore. Well, I, I, I think a lot of people have discovered the convenience of online shopping and they're just like, why would I go to the store? Just buy it online, get it shipped. Call it a day. Yep. You get the same deal and you don't have to go around all those fucking people. (laughs) That's right. All right, Phil. I want you to take us on this week's conspiracy or whatever we're talking about. All right. So I'm kind of dipping into your other podcast there a little bit with a tiny amount of true crime, but we'll be out of it soon enough. So sometimes they cross paths. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, they do, especially with this story. So. Just after noon on the 12th of October, 1964, two men who were replacing a tire on a broken down car on Canal Road overheard a woman cry out, somebody help me. And this was on the town path next to the Chesapeake and Ohio Canal in Georgetown, which is a neighborhood in Washington, D.C. You might recognize the name from the Hoyas. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, aren't they? Are they still a good basketball team? Well, they were when I was a kid. They had Patrick Ewing. So I remember those days. 
the very end of those days. One of the ugliest athletes I've ever seen in my life. Yes. Even when he was playing for the Hoyas, he looked like a 54 year old man. So very, <laughs> you can, you can, you can tell it's him no matter what year it is. So. Uh, Bianca was watching one flew over the cuckoo's nest, right? And she's yes. like, there's this little short, gross looking guy with black hair. And she's like, do you recognize him? I'm like, no. He's like, oh, this is Danny DeVito. And I'm like, ooh, Jesus. Okay. He's even ugly as a young man. Oh, yeah, definitely. I don't, I didn't know that he was in that movie. I just, uh, I rewatched Poltergeist lately. And the tall Native American man from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is in Poltergeist. So I didn't really? realize that. Yep. Interesting. So one of the men, mechanic Henry Wiggins, claims that he had heard two gunshots. He had went to go hide down behind a low wall, peeking over the top to see what was happening, but still trying not to gain the attention of whoever fired those shots. Now, when he looked from behind the wall, he saw what he claimed was a black man in a light jacket, dark slacks, and a dark cap standing over the body of a white woman. So he did actually gaze upon a suspect standing over, I'm assuming, the victim. Yes. So I didn't see if this was actually his story or uh, coming from the police. But what he did say was that he had heard the first shot. And then about 10 seconds later, he had heard the second. Now, what I think is just the police story and not his, I couldn't really confirm if it was his story or not. The story is that she was clinging to a tree and then crawled for the water uh, and then was shot again in the back. So the first shot was in the head. The second Ooh. shot was in the back. Jesus. Okay. So the headshot didn't take her down. Holy shit. Yeah. Apparently she survived the first shot and was still fighting back. Apparently she was fighting back the entire time. And that's kind of why they think the police think that the man shot her. Okay. Do you know, I mean, I don't know if you're going to go into this like, was it like a direct headshot or is it just like grazed her or what? Um, I am going to go into that in okay. a little bit. Okay. So, All yeah. right, we'll, we'll wait for that then. So less than an hour later, police found an African-American man that was soaking wet. He was walking about a quarter of a mile away from where the victim had been shot dead. His alibi was that he was fishing in the river, but had fallen asleep while drinking a beer and look, basically fell into the river, <laughs> dropped his pole and everything. Uh, it happens. happens yeah, to the best oh, of yeah, us. it happens. The two men who were working on the car positively identified the man, Ray Crump, as the man that was standing over the woman's dead body just after the murder. Now, like, another witness. What's that? I feel like anytime I hear somebody with the last name Crump, I just I don't know. I get a funny feeling about him. Yeah, they so it will come out later during the trial that he's, um, as they said in the past, feeble minded. OK, and right. that kind of lends into the police don't really believe his story because of how kind of unrealistic it sounds. He's kind of kind of has like a wandering way of, of telling the story, which is why they don't believe it at all. Gotcha. OK, so after another witness came forward claiming that he had seen an African-American man fitting Crump's description following a white woman on that path, Crump would be indicted on murder charges. Now, according to FBI forensic scientists, the victim had two gunshot wounds, one on the left temple and one in her back. Both wounds had dark halos around the wounds on her skin and clothing. So is that close range? Yes. Okay. Yep. Very close range. And the forensic scientists believe that the assailant would have had basically really good training with a gun from where he shot the victim and how close range. It was two kill shots, basically. You'd think the a shot in the left temple, man. Jesus. You think that would take him right out? Yeah. I'm not sure if because I have heard about people being shot in the temple, but if it's coming downward like not hitting the brain then the person survives because it kind of goes into their nasal cavity so i'm not exactly sure the direction the bullet took if it actually went into like the victim's brain it all sounds bad if you ask me <laughs> yeah definitely like a pretty bad fucking day so the police suspected 
that from what they had seen uh, from the crime scene, this was a failed sexual assault. This path was really isolated. It was where the canal path met the woods. So the woods and the canal were on either side of the path, kind of making a pinch point. They think that the victim really put up more of a fight than the perpetrator had originally suspected. And in turn, he killed the woman. Okay. Okay. I mean, I could definitely see that. Their story really basically is saying that he was trying to drag her into the woods. And that's why she was clinging to the tree and trying to get away from the woods. Okay. Okay. It's all, I mean, that's all lining up. Yeah. So now really that does, that story doesn't really have to do much with conspiracies theories of any kind. I mean, a lone woman out for a walk during the middle of a day, isolated path next to this canal. It wouldn't usually spur any huge conspiracies. That is if it hadn't have happened to the woman that we're about to talk about. And the fact that the Warren report had just been released weeks before. Okay, what the hell is the Warren Report? All right, so in a nutshell, the Warren Commission Report confirmed the official story given to the public that President Kennedy and Governor Connolly were shot when three bullets were fired from a single gunman from the sixth floor of the Texas School Book Depository building. They'd also said that Oswald had done it for unknown reasons and that Jack Ruby was not at all aided in the shooting of Oswald by any of the policemen present in the basement of the Dallas Police Department. Now, most importantly, quoting the commission's report, the commission has found no evidence of conspiracy, subversion, or disloyalty to the U.S. government by any federal, state, or local officials. Okay, you're not saying JFK had dressed like a lady and was walking down a path, and then this happened, and then they just put him in the car and drove him down the parade? No, but oddly enough, Herbert Hoover, <laughs> J. Edgar Hoover does actually come up in this story. Okay, so. hell yeah. Was this I J. Edgar? Herbert Hoover like the president. <laughs> Was this J. Edgar? Yeah, J. Edgar Hoover. Yeah. <laughs> he does come up in this story, but not for wearing a dress like usual. But, you know, <laughs> the investigation was started on the 29th of November, 1963. And that is the, the Warren Commission investigation. Looking into what really happened that day in Dallas and would end a year later when the 888-page report was presented to the President of the United States, Lyndon B. Johnson, on September 22, 1964. It was led by Chief Justice of the United States, Earl Warren, and it was created mostly to stymie any conspiracy theories that may have emerged after the death of Lee Harvey Oswald and the speculation that there may have been more than a single gunman and that Oswald was perhaps just a patsy as he had claimed all along. So you're saying, gee, 888 pages, Jesus. Is this fucking yes. Stephen King? Jesus Christ. But Or uh, the Game of Thrones in Sky. Yeah. <laughs> uh, J.R.R. What, what was that fucker's name? I completely, I was about to say R. R. fucking Martin. Tolkien. R.R. Martin. Yeah, R.R. Martin. Yeah, one of his stories involving a lot of dicks, I'm guessing. But <laughs> no, so it, it had to do, there was a, a ton of evidence they looked at. There was a ton of people that they interviewed. Obviously, in Dealey Square, there was a shit ton of people who witnessed it. They basically were, you know, didn't leave any stone unturned. Gotcha. Okay. Even, though, even though the Warren Commission was really, it's been picked apart over the years. And a lot of the people who made statements claim that their statements were either altered or completely falsified. <clears throat> so do you think this was Big Dick LBJ trying to just sweep it all under the rug? I'm not sure if it was LBJ trying to sweep it under the rug. So there are conspiracy theories that it was led by Johnson to gain control of the White House. Gotcha. Okay. All right. That's one of the many conspiracy theories that it was led by Johnson, and perpetrated by Secret Service and the CIA. Don't you think it's weird that LBJ, if he went to all this trouble, you know, just to become president and then decided to not run for a second term? You know what I mean? Yeah, well, he, so he did win the, the first election right after the assassination. And then, yeah, it was the second full term that he did not want to run for. Um, I think that that really had to do a lot with health and kind of the fact that he had been office. He had been, 
he had been in Congress for a long time before that. I'm not really sure if it had to do with him kind of being forced out of the White House. Well, no, no. What I'm saying is, I we know LBJ didn't really care or seem to care that much about JFK getting killed. But I'm saying, I don't. Some people I think think it's a grand conspiracy. LBJ wanted to do all this shit, you know, to kind of sweep him under the rug. But then, to me, it wouldn't make sense why. He would only serve one term, basically, and then be like, no, I don't want to do this anymore. If that was his ultimate plan. Yeah, a lot of the things that he did right away during that kind of the sweetheart period right after JFK's assassination, a lot of it was things that JFK wanted to get done but wasn't able to. Right. Because there was a lot of the Southern Democrats who were against him. There was, you know... He wasn't able to manipulate Congress quite like LBJ was. LBJ was a master at manipulating those people. So, right, you gotta say it right, Phil. Dixiecrats. The Dixiecrats. Yeah, yeah. That's how. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, what a what yeah. a what a nightmare that was. All of them yeah. crazy ass Dixiecrats down there. All that racist segregation shit. Yeah, and then they immediately right after the civil rights bills were passed they pretty much immediately jump ship yeah to either start their own party or the republican party later on yeah and here we are today yeah so now though the official story and the warren commission were accepted by many in the general public there were also many detractors though major opposition to the warren report wouldn't emerge for years after the publishing one of these possible detractors little known outside of the dc social circles may possibly have had even more reason to doubt the Warren report than many others. However, she was found dead just weeks after the publishing under very peculiar circumstances. Okay, now I see what you're getting at here. Maybe. Yes. Okay. Well, I'm not, I'm going to, I think I know what you're talking about, but I'm going to let you kind of uh, get into it here. I wanted to say one, one quick thing. So, They've been running this special about all the a lot of the first ladies, you know, just kind of like yeah. talking about their stuff. They had Jackie Kennedy on there, and it was where her and Jack had just gotten married, or her and John had just gotten married, and man, JFK's hair in that wedding photo, fuck, it was popping, dude. Yeah. He, he had a dope I mean, haircut. He was, uh, he was a lucky son of a bitch when it came to speaking ability, looks, the family that he came from, just the perfect fucking storm. Yeah, it's just a uh, old uh, Jackie boy. Yeah. So basically, this is kind of where our story really begins. So Mary Pinochet, born on October 14th, 1920, to father Amos Pinochet and mother Ruth Pickering Pinochet. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> they, yeah, that awesome name. They were a wealthy Pennsylvanian family that supported many progressive reforms of the 1920s, with Amos being a lawyer and activist, and Mother Ruth a writer and activist. So this family was highly connected, and the highly connected Mary would lead a very privileged childhood, being raised in the Pinochet ancestral home at Gray Towers in Milford, Pennsylvania, later attending the Brerley School and Vassar College. And it was at Vassar College that she would first become interested in communism. Uh, things haven't changed in many years, have they, Phil? Nope. Still still <laughs> catching those communist ideals at college. Unfortunately, she didn't have access to the uh, che, was it che Rivera shirt or like Rage Against the Machine or Depeche Mode. Oh, the, the Che Guevara che t-shirt Guevara, that all yeah. of the kids wear. Yeah. If she would have had that. Yeah, you just get yourself a fucking Che Guevara t-shirt and a fucking acoustic guitar. <laughs> you're you're good. Grow out your beard and your hair. <laughs> it was during her younger years in 1936 that Mary would meet for the first time John F. Kennedy. Ooh. This was during a dance at Chayote College while dating William Hollingsworth Atwood. He was a future author, editor, and diplomat. Uh, sounds like I need to date him. Uh, <laughs> so she just met him. I thought you were going to say this is one of his early girlfriends or something. No, no. Uh, this is just her meeting him for the first time. Gotcha. Okay. So, well, you know, he was at the dance with a fucking heart on. 
Oh yeah, probably <laughs> surrounded by a fucking harem of bitches at this dance. <laughs> so going to this dance with her boyfriend, a future author, editor, and diplomat, and she happens to meet for the first time a future senator and president. So okay. pretty connected person. Yeah, yeah. A lot of uh a lot of skull and bones going on here, I feel like. A lot of exactly. Illuminati-ness. Illuminati yeah. is here. And you'll see exactly just how connected she becomes. Every single so you know how on crime and sports they call the good fighters that these boxers fight linkers because they have their own Wikipedia pages. Yeah. Every every name that's mentioned when talking about these people are linkers. They really? all have their own Wikipedia pages. Even William Hollinsworth Atwood does, huh? I suppose yeah. 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 Future author, editor, and diplomat. Yeah, he's a linker, definitely. Every time I hear that name, I just envision he has a bell in his room to summon like Jeeves or whatever to come serve him. To summon the serfs from the local area. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So she would become a journalist for the United Press and Mademoiselle after graduating from Vassar College in 1942. Ooh. Mary would herself champion pacifist and socialist causes in her adulthood and eventually meet and marry Marine lieutenant named Cord Meyer who had very similar pacifist and pro-world government views that Mary Pinochet possessed. Now, Cord Meyer was from the same elite circles as Mary, with his family making their money from sugar in Cuba and property on Long Island. Now, in 1945, Cord and Mary attended the formation of the United Nations in San Francisco, with Mary working as a journalist at the time. Wow, okay. So I take it the author... Didn't go down on her, so she dumped him and met Cord Meyer. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure how they <laughs> broke up, but it's so she basically had graduated college. She wasn't, I've, I don't know how long exactly she was dating the future diplomat, but it looks like she met this guy like after college. So, well, you know, uh, interesting name. You don't meet too many people named Cord. Yeah, there's a lot of rich people names in this story. <laughs> I don't even think so. you'd name your goddamn cat or dog cord. Yeah, that'd be a little bit of a weird. People wouldn't think you liked your pet very much <laughs> if you did that. So Cord Meyer was elected president of the United World Federalists in 1947 with his wife, Mary, writing for the organization's journal, The United World Federalist. After Cord and Mary Pinochet had started having children, Mary decided to quit her career as a journalist and become a stay-at-home mother. Uh, she would also start taking some art classes, and this talent she would later embrace and turn into a career. After the birth of the family's third child in 1950, the very nefarious and well-known Alan Dulles yeah. would ask Cord to join oh. the newly formed CIA, and this was in the Office of Policy Coordination. Now, the name, like, Office of Policy Coordination doesn't sound like much, but this office would soon become the espionage and counterintelligence branch of the CIA. Wow. And Cord would work under Frank Wisner. The CIA hired a man named Cord. Wow. Okay. Yeah. They were basically looking for all of these. <laughs> they were they're actually looking for quite a bit of uh when the CIA first started, they were looking for quite a bit of intellectual young like highly connected people gotcha. obviously if you know obviously if you were from the elite and you went to an ivy league school you were probably top on their list if you were also intelligent right right yeah that makes perfect sense now there's something i wanted to ask you here so the federalist right i don't know exactly what political spectrum that standed for at this time but uh, obviously, we have a lot of uh, interesting groups kind of poking their head out right now uh, due to the last presidential election. Now, there is a ultra, I'm talking ultra conservative, bordering Nazi um, group of them. I think that's called the Federalists. Yeah, I've, I've said it before. I don't think that they really know where the name comes from or what the name means. Okay. So Federalists, obviously, like, in its name, it means like federal, big, like big government. And most conservative people want small government. Like the big fight right at the beginning of America was 
states' rights versus nations' rights, which, right. which should be powerful. We even had a confederacy before we had um, the current form of government that we have now, which was basically the states had all of the power and the nation had almost no power. Right. So yeah. I don't think they quite know what like federalist means. I only remember, I only know that because obviously, as you know, I look up crazy shit that people say on the internet and there's like one Twitter handle or like something or a Facebook group or something of the federalists. And, you know, they're always talking about random made up conspiracies and shit like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm pretty sure that a lot of them, like some of these groups, they call themselves like the Boogaloo Boys. (laughs) And I have no idea what that means. And it sounds fucking weird. But if they think that's a good idea for a name, then maybe federalists, you know, just kind of ignoring what it really means. So basically, basically what Cord was all about was a one world government. So not really like taking away power from the United States and handing it over to Basically, a comp- like a, an organization like the UN. Gotcha. So he literally wanted an NWO. Yes. Yeah. So that is actually kind of what he was going for. So he was he joined the, the Federalists, basically try and get like nukes out of the hands of the United States of America is kind of what he started. The problem is all of these communists people like these far left-wing communist radicals started joining the federalist group and he became like disenfranchised like disenchanted with the group and then later on the idea which is kind of why he quit and joined the cia gotcha okay okay so during his time with the cia cord meyer became involved with operation mockingbird and this was the forming of relationships with top editors and reporters from major media outlets, employing these outlets to push pro-American stories that would benefit the United States government. Now, due to an ongoing feud with none other than the king of the FBI, (laughs) J. Edgar Hoover, and anti-communist headhunter Joseph McCarthy. So is this where the rivalry between the two two government agencies started? Yes, pretty much. Really? Uh, Right from the start of the CIA. Yeah. All right. Well... At first, when you said Operation Mockingbird and the CIA, you know what I thought of. Birds aren't real? Birds aren't real, right there. Kind of yeah. fits, doesn't it? <laughs> it does fit, but I think they are uh, different operations. I know I was trying to I was trying to remember what operation the birds aren't real theory was from. Uh, it was, a well, Operation Water the Grass or something. Water the United States grass or something like that. I yeah, don't know. something like that. Okay, I remember. Operation yeah. Very Large Bird. Very Large Bird. Yeah, yeah. that was one of them. <laughs> I said that the CIA put out a lot of propaganda, like became their, this office became their propaganda arm. This is exactly what they were built for, was doing shit like this. So when you say, you know, pro-American stories, does that mean they were like printing uh, Superman comics in the newspapers and such, like, you can't get much more oh. American than that. Anti-Soviet, anti-Soviet Union, anti-anyone um, who was against America, pro-anyone who was allied with America. Basically, just the propaganda, just spinning out. I mentioned that a lot of well-connected people were being hired by the CIA. It was for this purpose. Because if, you, if you've noticed, I've mentioned like two or three journalists, writers, all of these people in these circles who Cord Meyer would have basically grown up with or went to college with Ivy league journalists and editors. Gotcha. Okay. All right. I, I see what I see. I see what you're getting at. This is kind of a, uh, mass, not confusion of the American public, but like mass, um, indoctrination. Yes. 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 So you're coming right after the world war two era. This is, this is as pro, America, Patriot, red, white, and blue fucking Americana as you get is right now. The 40s to the 50s. Uh, There's no like communism, bad, America, good, capitalism, yay, fucking apple pie, all that shit. (laughs) So right now is when all of these newspaper people, a lot of them had been employed by the US government just a few years before putting out propaganda or trying to raise money for the war effort. So. Well, right after uh, World War II, 
and I, I hope we don't sound stupid here, but Russia wasn't full communist yet, were they? Yes, they, they were. were. It was it was right after World War One that the communists started taking over. By World War Two, the communist Soviets were fully entrenched. They were gotcha. in full power by the twenties. I thought they were hanging on to like socialism ideals for quite a while, and then they kind of took that final step over to communism. No, I think it was pre-World War II that they went full communist. Because definitely gotcha. during during World War II, with how they set up their factories and how they set up their farms and everything, it was definitely communism. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Yeah. So many of the members of the CIA, including Cord, would come under scrutiny for former affiliations with communist and socialist groups. And Cord's security clearance was even revoked. Mary would end up coming under scrutiny herself for her membership in the American Labor Party in 1944. Now that at the time was under the leadership of uh, pretty mainstream communists. So well-known communist leaders. Okay, okay. Uh, it had turned out that Mary and Cord had been under investigation by the FBI even before they were basically told that their security clearance was that cord security clearance was being revoked. So Mary, just so I'm getting this right, Mary is rah rah for the CIA. It's not just her husband. So it's definitely Cord who's rah rah for the CIA. But because of Cord and his job and the social groups that he and Mary are now in because of his affiliation with the CIA, basically she's rubbing elbows with all of these important CIA people. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So she's not necessarily the, I guess, bad guy. Um, it's more her husband, but she's involved via proxy. Yeah. Well, I, I wouldn't really, I don't really think Cord at the beginning really thought of himself as a bad guy either. He wasn't really doing anything very bad right off the bat. Okay. Okay. Well, you know what? Everything starts out with good intentions, doesn't it? Yeah, it basically. <laughs> uh, they really didn't start getting into the bullshit until late 40s, early 50s. So, And we already talked about that with uh, Cuba and trying to take out Castro, all of that stuff. Right, right. Um, oh, also I mentioned too. So way back before, we were talking about how Cord, how his family came into all of their wealth. He did come into his wealth by the sugar from Cuba uh, before the communists took over. So I wonder if that had anything to do with what the conspiracy theory is later on, how he may have been involved in Castro's. Okay. All right. Okay. I yeah. can see that connection. So there is conspiracies that he did or conspiracy theories that he did do some worse shit than just putting out pro government propaganda. So. After Dulles himself came to Mary's defense, the FBI was not allowed to interrogate her at all, and eventually, Cord's security clearance would be reinstated. Now, after the FBI and McCarthy eventually backed off of the members of the CIA, Dulles and Cord's boss, Wisner, turned the brunt of Operation Mockingbird against Senator McCarthy, and after many, many negative articles and segments came out about him, the senator was pushed out of public favor. Wow. Okay. Holy shit. All right. Yeah. So it was Operation Mockingbird pretty much through the media that took down McCarthy. Okay. Well, you make it sound like he, he was an asshole, right? Yes, he was very much an asshole. <laughs> okay. Um, he basically saw communists under every single blade of grass. Pretty much. All right. Well, I mean, I guess kind of like Stalin then, right? Yeah. Oh, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Stalin was the same thing. He saw enemies uh, everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, eventually, the Meyer family would move to Georgetown, which is a neighborhood outside of D.C., and meet their new neighbors, the Kennedys, with Mary and Jacqueline becoming fast friends. Now, during this time, Cord became disenchanted with the CIA and was looking for a way out. He had even traveled to New York City to find work with the editors and journalists from some of the media outlets that he had worked with uh, with Operation Mockingbird. However, he really couldn't find a position and ended up back with the CIA. He would change departments, though, and move to Europe. 
there he would work with Radio Free Europe and Liberty Radio. And this was countering the propaganda put out by the Soviets. So wait a minute. <laughs> Wasn't Cord, he liked communism and now he's putting it out against the Soviets? Well, he never really was communist per se. He did have socialist beliefs and the beliefs for like a one world government. But he definitely never was really like a fan of the Soviets, I don't think. Gotcha, because he didn't like bears. He preferred bald eagles. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Capitalist, freedom-loving bald eagles. Hell exactly. yeah. So later on, in the summer of 1954, the Meyer family's golden retriever was hit by a car on the curve of highway near their house and killed. Now, the dog's death worried Cord. He had told colleagues at the CIA that he was afraid that the same thing might happen to one of his children. And on 18th of December, 1956, Michael, Cord and Mary's nine-year-old second son, was hit by a car on that curve of highway near their house and killed. Jesus. Okay. Well, that's foreshadowing there. Yeah, definitely. So due to the tragic death of their son, the two temporarily became closer together as I guess the death of a child might do to a couple, but soon drifted back apart, and Mary would eventually file for divorce in 1958. It's, uh, I mean, obviously neither you or I have ever went through this, but uh, it seems to be like sometimes that happens. Uh, someone's child dies, and they kind of just like the grief of it drifts them apart or whatever, you know? Yeah. Well, apparently they weren't doing that great before the death of their son and the death of their son kind of brought them together. But I mean, they drifted back apart after the initial shock. So and then two years later, they were divorced. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I guess also Cord would have to move out of the home before the filing of divorce so that they could make it official. They couldn't just live in the same house, and then filed a divorce. Like, back then, you needed, like, separation. Uh, 1950s <laughs> laws right there. Yeah, exactly. It was fucking hard as hell. I mean, they're probably lucky they were rich, or they wouldn't be able to get one in the first place. <laughs> so after the divorce, Mary would become an artist and open up a studio outside of her home, while Cord continued to work for the CIA. He would eventually become the head of his new department, and, like I said before, may have also been involved with the Bay of Pigs and one of the plots to assassinate Fidel Castro. Well, he had a good reason not to like him. Yeah. Cord is one of those linkers. So if you go to some articles on Cord, you have to go like three or four pages down before they even mention his wife. So Cord Meyer really isn't even mostly associated with Mary's death. Really? That's crazy. Yeah. Because he was so important inside of the CIA. Gotcha. Okay. So she really is a forgotten kind of woman here. Yes. Yeah. I mean, she was really flying with all these people in this inner circle, but a lot of these men that she was around, her and Cord's friends, especially the husbands, uh, they were all very influential people. And I mean, at this time, women weren't really starting to become influential until maybe like the 60s and 70s. So it was still very much a, like the women would leave the smoking room in the, after dinner and the men would go and you know smoke cigars and talk about politics while they did their had their woman time. So it was still kind of in that era where the women, like the women really weren't like a part of these like high level discussions, but Mary was a lot different than most women. Well, I mean, it, she initially, when you were telling me about her, I mean, she kind of reminded me of uh, Amelia Earhart, where she's kind of uh, a trailblazer at the time, you know? Yeah, she's very out. Like a lot of people in the, the stories that I was reading, they were saying like she's very outspoken. She kind of like has this command, like once she enters a room. I mean, obviously, she was brought up in this elite family, elite life. So she was obviously had like, you know, I'm trying to think really like the education she would have gotten back in the thirties maybe would have like taught her to be a little bit more like in the background and docile, but I really don't think that was in her nature. If she would have grew up in our generation, she'd be uh, kicking ass. Yeah. Especially with the money that she had as a mm, kid, she mm -hmm. would be killing it now. So I should also say that, and this is a very big allegedly that allegedly 
a very high-ranking CIA official that ran in the circle of Cord and Mary had actually begun wiretapping Mary Myers' telephone after she had left her husband. Uh, so, I mean, it's it's a big allegedly, but um, there are a few different articles that I read where it was talking about Mary's phone being wiretapped. And that does lead into some of the conspiracies about her murder. Okay. Do you think it's a jealous husband? I don't really know about jealous husband, but she was so well connected and she did know a lot of these, like the journalists and the left leaning people that I think it may have also had to do something with that just because of like the circle she was running around with. And she didn't have cord to kind of like dominate, like who her social circles were going to be in the future. Gotcha. Okay. I think that that's might be where it comes from. It might also been cord was pretty powerful at the time too. So he might've had, you know, asked his buddy or been talking to his buddy and his buddy might've just wiretapped her phone. I have no idea, but it's, it's a big allegedly. So, okay. Now after the divorce, Mary would still live in Georgetown and she remained friends with many of the elites of the city that was in her former circle with her husband her ex-husband now also becoming friends with Robert Kennedy and his family. Now RFK had actually purchased the previous home from his brother JFK lived very close to where Mary was living. Mm, mm-hmm. In October of 1961, Mary visited JFK at the White House and the two began an affair that lasted until his death in 1963. Ooh. I mean, yeah. to be fair, JFK had a lot of affairs, I think. Yes, there's uh, there's very like very very many mentions <laughs> of JFK being and it was just any like any single fucking euphemism you could put on it, like skirt chaser, philanderer, like anything you call him, they called him in these stories. So apparently the reason why Mary and Jacqueline became fast friends was because Jacqueline was so alone because while JFK was in the Senate, he wasn't only trying to become like the most powerful senator, like the most well-connected influential. He was also just constantly on the fucking chase for poon, like just all the time. So that's one of the reasons why Jacqueline was so lonely. And there was a lot of people who said who knew her that Jacqueline was a high, like a very lonely person. Poor Jackie. She uh, she seems so nice. I don't know that much about her, but she just seems like you look at her. She just seems like a really nice lady. Yeah. I mean, she did get to be first lady and all of that, but you would I mean, the amount of bullshit she would have to put up with. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't fucking imagine. And you got to know that she heard the rumors and knew about a lot of this shit. Oh, I'm I'm sure she did. I mean, imagine Imagine today a chick finding out that her husband was banging the hottest actress on earth, like in Marilyn Monroe. Okay, it's hold, just, hold on. That's not confirmed though, right? I think that – I'm not sure if it's confirmed, but it's it's highly believed. Hmm. I've heard a lot of – a lot about it. So there's actually theories that she was banging both Robert and JFK. wonder which one was better looking. Which probably, one was better looking? Yeah, probably John, right? Probably John. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. RFK, he uh he had the same kind of like that hair and the same accent, so I don't know. I think Robert would have been okay, let's say John would have been 60s attractive. I think Robert was like 80s attractive. Oh, like the businessman? Yeah. Kind of? Yeah. Like a little before his time? Maybe. Yeah. As, as you know, attraction changes decade to decade, I think Robert was just uh, in the wrong decade there. Yeah. Could be. I mean, he would have really came into his own during the 70s. So if he would have lived the 70s kind of, if he had won President 68, the 70s might have been his era. So. Could have been. Yeah. So actually, this is where the conspiracy part of this episode really starts. Now, as I mentioned before, JFK was a notorious philanderer, having affairs with many women, and allegedly that included Mary. According to James Truitt, a journalist that Mary had allegedly confided her affair in, Mary and President Kennedy carried on a two-year affair, meeting in a bedroom, often smoking marijuana (sighs) together. Not marijuana! Heathens. Yep. Goddamn the, heathens. The devil's cabbage itself. Yeah. 
That's way worse than it than a, an affair with a president. You're smoking pot with them now. Yeah, I couldn't really figure out which one was supplying the marijuana to the other one because there were some stories it was her bringing it, and some stories it was him giving it to her. So not really exactly sure. I don't. I'm not sure how like the president would get it. I'm guessing if the president wants it, he can get it though. So yeah. Well, you got to remember too the weed back then. You'd have to smoke like a quarter of a fucking ounce to get a buzz off of it. So it's not like today where it's like two hits and you're gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean the stuff pretty much growing out of ditches they were using yeah, back yeah, then? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, according to Truett, a Secret Service agent would drive Mary to the White House in a limo with JFK meeting them and taking Mary to a bedroom where they would meet for dinner and drinks, sometimes with one of Kennedy's aides. And this went on two to three times a week until his assassination. Now, according to Truett, Mary kept a diary recording the entire affair. Now, Truett's claims were later confirmed by Mary's brother-in-law, Ben Bradley, in 1955. Well, who has her diary? Yeah, that's kind of the big conspiracy story that well, I'll go into a little bit later that goes like goes along with the, the murder. So. Okay, all right. So unlike most of the president's girls on the side, Kennedy would really talk to Mary more about world events and international policy than with any of the others. Uh, there are a few conspiracy theories surrounding the affair between Mary Myers and President Kennedy. Now, I'm going to go off uh, one after the other. The first one is that Mary had actually introduced the president to LSD in an effort to inject peace and love into Camelot. And that was according to a book by Timothy Leary. Now, Timothy Leary is pretty big in the early LSD scene that I found out. Uh, now, the idea behind this conspiracy is that Mary was even persuading JFK to go against his advisors. And this would force them to act when he rejected their call to action against the communists. Okay. All right. So she's playing 5D chess with yeah. his ass. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so this one, like I said, is a little bit out there. There is a weird story that I found actually on a Wikipedia article that talked about how Timothy Leary would claim that Mary allegedly had a group of women who were giving powerful men in Washington LSD. Now, this was to turn them towards peace, but he claimed that one of the women in her group snitched on Mary. And one night she had called him, claiming that she was now in danger. And this was after the Kennedy assassination. Gotcha. And that is because they had found out about him taking LSD and all of the changes that he was going through with his you know, foreign policy and views on communism and intervention. Okay. All right. So, I mean, I, I guess it's plausible. But what are they, they going to do? Give all these powerful people fucking LSD and they're going to sit up all night making hemp necklaces now or what? I'm not exactly sure. I mean, the <laughs> LSD thing, there was a, I forgot what operation it was, but there was a pretty big, was it MK Ultra? Yeah. You, yeah. Well, it's just like, the, I, I think the belief is you can convince people on LSD to do whatever you want. Yeah. There was a lot of research by the government allegedly into the like psilocybin and LSD and all of these mind altering substances trying to use them either either like against foreign powers or trying to create operatives like a Manchurian candidate. So kind of like Sirhan Sirhan we talked about before. What What's that new stuff that like I think the cartels use where it's like a powder you blow it in someone's face and they they become like completely submissive. Oh, I've heard about it, but I don't know what it's called. Sounds fucking terrifying. That's all I know. <laughs> they basically become like your zombie slave. Yeah, much, it's is what I heard. Ugh, God. So second, there is another conspiracy theory. Now, and this involves Mary's extensive ties to the inner circles of the CIA. And this implicates Mary in the assassination of JFK and that her relationship with him was all just part of the larger CIA plan to kill Kennedy and the later cover-up. Okay, so are you saying that she had a part in him dying or that because of their affair, he died? No, for the second conspiracy theory, they're claiming that 
Mary was actually in on the assassination with the CIA and that her death was basically just tying up loose ends. Would she, would she be mad because he wasn't going to leave Jackie or he was having an affair on his mistress? No, she was have. So according to this, according to this theory, Mary started the affair just to basically keep tabs on Kennedy and to, oh. I'm not exactly sure why, Part of the assassination would have an affair. It could be part of maybe blackmail, but I'm not exactly sure like why she would start the affair with him for the conspiracy to kill the president. Not exactly sure about that part. The big thing about this conspiracy is that she was murdered to tie up loose ends. Gotcha. Okay. I I was reading that wrong. Like she wanted him dead, um, but. Yeah, I, I don't know. If, if it's true that they were having an affair for two years, kind of feel like Mary liked him, kind of. Yeah, she must have at least been able to put up with him <laughs> if, for two years, like meeting two to three times a week, unless she was some kind of fucking double agent, you know, like specially trained in that kind of shit. Especially if you hear about like uh, what last podcast on the left said about JFK after they did him, where he just like... If you're going to have sex with him, he just kind of jammed it in there. No warning, <laughs> no nothing, no foreplay. It's just like he just jammed it in there, finished his job, and then left. Oh, he was a he was a busy man, Cody. Yeah, I, I, I guess that. so. <laughs> he didn't have time for all of that fucking hullabaloo, you know, <laughs> fucking, you know, turning on music, fucking turning the lights down. Like, I got shit to do. Like, That's come on, let's get this over with. <laughs> so the third and final conspiracy theory was that just like the mysterious death surrounding Kennedy's former mistress, Marilyn Monroe, I guess allegedly former mistress Marilyn Monroe, President Kennedy's inner circle was attempting to save the reputation of John F. Kennedy, even after his death. And it was believed that Mary had kept a diary that she would take public after the Warren Commission had been published. And this is okay. why she was murdered. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I don't know. Did... I know JFK was like a popular president, but was he popular enough in like on the political spectrum, like the powerful people involved in politics for them to care enough to go to all this work for him? I mean, inside his own inner circle, he was definitely popular enough, like his own aides, his own people, his own his allies. He would have been popular enough with them. I have a feeling that even people when he was president knew he was a lady chaser constantly like killing these women wouldn't have really made a difference in the uh you know public's eye or whatever that's how i feel but i i don't really know i don't really think that the extent of it was quite known back then i don't think people realized that it was like many many mistresses mm, yeah well i mean wouldn't they have had to kill every single mistress I mean, I don't really know about that. Like, <laughs> this is just a conspiracy. Yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah, you know, yeah. It, they're I, just, they're just, they're just red stringing it. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. It would have been you. You would have had to kill, like, just grab the phone book, open up the pages of the DC phone book, and just point to a chick's name. <laughs> and like, I think we should take her out too. Like, you probably have to kill fucking Stan Lee for all we know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just, I mean, that one's a. They definitely kind of tie it to the it's one of those conspiracies where they tie it to another one like Marilyn Monroe is murdered because of her affair. Right. So, right. Yeah, we'll have to cover her one of these days. Yeah, definitely. So all of these conspiracy theories really do end the same way. And that is with Mary Pinochet Myers being caught up in a vast web full of spies and intelligence and that Mary was herself murdered because she knew too much. Now, on July 29th, 1965, Ray Crump was acquitted of the murder of Mary Pinochet Meyer. Uh, the gun that was used to murder Mary was never found. Uh, there was never really any ties to Ray Crump or a gun uh, that he he didn't really have a gun at all. Uh, his lawyer basically tore the prosecution's lack of evidence and really just bad case apart. The prosecution believed that they had a pretty solid case, but pretty, found out pretty soon that his lawyer, Dovey Johnson Roundtree, <laughs> basically, it was a so it was a civil rights lawyer, 
was okay. who she was. So she worked pro bono and she was a, a real like gunslinger when it comes to lawyers. He didn't just have some regular public defender. If he would have had just some Joe Blow public defender, he'd probably be in jail until he died. Yeah. But right. since he had Roundtree, like he was able to, you know, get acquitted of this murder. Okay. Actually, his lawyer, W. Johnson Roundtree, would later claim that Crump did have a good alibi witness. And this was a married woman that he was actually having a sexual liaison with that day. However, she refused to testify as her husband would then, of course, find out about the affair. There was also later witnesses after the trial, and they claimed that there was actually another African-American man seen in the area, and he better fit the description of the murderer than Crump did. Apparently, Crump didn't necessarily fit the explanation of what the murderer looked like, um, from the as one well witness. as, what's that? From the, from the one witness who kind of like saw him over the wall or whatever. Yeah, saw him from kind of like medium range from behind a wall. Okay. So I should also mention that the judge at the trial would not allow any of Mary's former affiliations or any bit of her past come up in the trial. Also, the media only mentioned that Mary was an artist from a elite family and that she was the former wife of a man that had a very nondescript government job. Well, okay, so... I mean, I can kind of see the judge not allowing any of her past to come up in the trial. What if he just didn't want to sully a murdered woman's name by bringing up if she had an affair with the president or whatever? Yeah, like none of I guess it didn't really have to do anything with the murder. I have heard on like a lot of the murder podcasts where the the judge won't allow any of the victims past like relationships or anything like that come up. But apparently Roundtree claimed that it was as if the the victim had just fallen onto Earth, like at the moment of her death. Like there was no past involved with Mary at all. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Well, I guess uh what 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 do you think happened here, Phil? Um, I'm kind of on the fence a little bit. How do I put this? The like the bullet wound placement for just a random like failed sexual assault that turned to murder is kind of a little odd. Um, normally in that situation, it would just be basically aimed near the person. Like if you really think about like what would happen if she was putting up a lot of fight and he was just trying to silence her and get rid of her, he would basically just aim the gun at her and start firing Right. You know, in my mind. Also after firing someone who was trying to do something like that, wouldn't just stand there and stare at the victim. They would probably run away. They wouldn't just be standing there at all. Well, so. unless this guy was like an experienced psychopath. That is true, but he didn't really have a criminal past, like a criminal record in the past. He did have some criminal shit that happened to him after the trial. However, he had been in jail for like eight or nine months. So a lot of people after they get out of jail who didn't have a criminal past end up having a criminal future. So, well, what I mean is not Crump. I'm saying if if the other guy who they think that it was actually another African-American man, if it actually was somebody else and that guy was actually like, I, I wouldn't say a serial killer, but like a, maybe a serial rapist, I guess, or something like that. Oh, you're not saying Crump. You're saying if there was another guy. Yes. Who? Yes. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um. Yeah, so you're saying basically he wasn't like a hitman. He was like an experienced like serial rapist or yeah. serial killer. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. That um, I mean, that would have been my guess. I, the other question I'd kind of like to know is like the area where this happened was just like an, I don't know if you know if like this was an area where Mary frequently traveled from or was she in a weird area at this time? You know what I mean? Like, is this somewhere in her neighborhood or what? Yeah, so she had basically just finished a painting, and she was going out. Uh, she basically took a walk after she finished that painting. She went to this place quite a bit. Basically, it was kind of a part of a city where you were in what didn't really feel like you were in a city. So gotcha. she was kind of next to the water and the trees. So she really so, liked this place, apparently. So so my that would lead me to believe that she's walked this path like 
quite a few times. So either it is an assassin, it's an experienced rapist or killer, and I would assume Mary would notice if someone kind of stood out who didn't belong in that area. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it was definitely a... It was not a very, the park was kind of not very taken, like well taken care of until later on, but it definitely was like in the nice part of town. Yeah. You said this was what time of the day? Noon. Really? Yeah. Wow. Holy shit. Okay. So yeah, you shouldn't, like Mary shouldn't have felt threatened or anything. So I I don't know. It's tough to say. It's the, the one thing is we can't put it past the CIA or whoever would have been involved with this, obviously. But also, 60s had a lot of killing, uh, citizens killing citizens, so I I don't know. Yeah, it was, I mean, that was kind of what I was thinking too, is I've listened to like all the true crime podcasts and all of the, you know, the documentaries and stuff like that. There's just a shit ton of murderers out there. But a lot of them, they wouldn't do it in, an area like next to a road inside of a major city, like on a walking path. Right. Right. Yeah. That's actually, that's a good point. So if it was a hitman, they knew basically how they would get away with it. Yeah. And allegedly the, the very important person at the CIA was tapping her phone the entire time. So they probably would have known that, you know, she was taking a walk that day because apparently she was supposed to meet someone too. So, but the uh, I'm I heard you right that the sexual assault isn't confirmed. They just thought that whoever killed her was trying to do that, right? Yes, that is the police's story. Okay. That. Okay. Oh, and I should also say too, Ray Crump for the evidence that was against him. They didn't find any GSR on his clothing or hands. They also didn't find any of Mary's blood or any blood on him. So that was another bit of evidence that his lawyer tore apart. Yeah, and you'd almost have to have that on you because if you're shooting someone that close, you know, obviously it burns the skin around the gun uh, whole wound, so that shit would probably be all over you. Yeah, and I mean, there she got shot in the head, but she also got shot and it ruptured her aorta, so there would have been blood, like, all over your shoes, you would think, at least. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's pretty fucking crazy. I think this is a crazy-ass story nobody talks about, honestly. Yeah, I had never really heard about it. Um, I was just kind of, I was looking for an idea a few days ago, just kind of like ran through this lady I'd never heard of. And I was like, oh, it's kind of like a little bit of uh, this woman who was connected to Kennedy was murdered. And then I looked into it and I was like, holy shit, there's like three or four fucking conspiracies behind (laughs) this, like going into this. Yeah, I mean... We, here's the, I, this is my final statement on this, that we have to, I'm thinking now, maybe are we falling into the trap that someone who is kind of rich and knew some other people who are very famous uh, can't just die by the hands of some lowly crazed killer? You know, they always, we always seem to be, oh, they had to be killed by some, you know, I don't elite group or some shit or like CIA. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Especially. Um, it also doesn't help out that she was murdered a few weeks after the Warren report right. was put right. out. The Warren commission's report came out just a few weeks before. And a lot of ties end up coming like a lot of red string gets pulled back to JFK. Yeah, so. yeah, it's uh, that's just kind of how the conspiracy world works. But there is a lot of weird things surrounding her murder. Uh, unfortunately, it sounded like Mary was a uh, badass chick. It's too bad this happened to her. But uh, anyway, I hope uh, anybody who hears this kind of lets us know their feelings. Uh, where can they do that at, Phil? They can hit us up on our website, www.subliminaldeception.com. You can find our Patreon link there. They can also find a box to contact us where they can just put in their name, their the body of their message, and it'll come right to our email. Uh, if they want to hit us up on our email the old-fashioned way, it is subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, love hearing from people. Uh, gotten quite a few good emails in the past few weeks, so thank you for those. Basically, best way to get a hold of us, though, still on Instagram uh, always glad to hear from you guys. Hit us up on our Instagram, Subliminal Deception Podcast. 
Cody and I both have our own Instagrams. Uh, mine, I've pretty much given up on trying to get it back, but it is SD Pod Phil. If you want to leave me a message for when it finally does, Cody, what's yours? Yeah, follow me on Instagram at Cody's Above. Uh, look at my memes. If you are a Trumpster, you may not want to add me. Um, <laughs> uh, the other thing we need you guys to do is to log on to iTunes and leave the show five star review. Does not really matter what you say, just type jfk in there for all we care if you're a spotify user all you have to do is hit that follow button and that helps pump the ratings and helps us get uh, more exposure to other conspiracy theorists otherwise phil fantastic story it's absolutely fascinating i loved every minute of it and we'll be back next week with another conspiracy thanks guys 